Welcome to the podcast, Now Listen to Me, Catawba Island fun facts, lore, anecdotes, and sometimes even a little history. This podcast is brought to you by the Catawba Island Historical Society. These stories and conversations, not necessarily 100% historically accurate, are told by lifelong Catawba Island resident Don Rhodes. Born in 1931, Don was an integral part of the community his entire life until he passed away at age 90 in 2021. Don's passion for preserving the artifacts and stories of Catawba Island led to establishing the Historical Society and the Catawba Island Museum. The trustees of the Historical Society share these stories with you, largely unedited for content, so you can get a glimpse of what it was like to sit with Don and hear the stories in his own words. These recorded stories are a complement to all the contributions Don made to the History Museum and the entire community. In episode two, we continue with the driving tour of Catawba Island. This second installment continues discussion at Catawba Point in the area in and near the current Miller Ferry Dock. I will also share a brief story about Don in case you find yourself wondering how he knew so much about Catawba Island. Episode three will then continue the driving tour into the Catawba Cliffs. Okay, go ahead. The cottage inn, which was located on the left, was built in 1895 by a gentleman from Sandusky, Ohio. Now you see how the Sandusky people developed the cliffs? The Sandusky people were involved in this property. So there were Sandusky investors involved in the Catawba property because Sandusky was much older and they have some wealth uh, built up over there where we were more or less starting over here. So Sandusky got a good foothold the Catawba area, mm. especially in the Catawba Point. But the point is, and I'm trying to think of this guy's name, and I can't think of it, i got to see a moment. The Cottage Inn was built in 1895, okay, and then added on, uh, probably in the 20s. I'm trying to think of the guy's name, uh, who's a bachelor. But the point is this, Catawba Island, first hotel was built here in the 1870s, early 1870s, by Nathaniel Amos Haddon, important point. Nathaniel Amos Haddon. Where was the hotel located? Right, right there. to the left. You say Haddon, as, Had as in Haddon Hall, but the same right, family? Right, same family. Same guy. Uh-huh. Same guy. You were related to him. Yeah. It's right about now where listen, the flag is, right in that area. Haddon married Dutcher's daughter. And <laughs> Dutcher owned this property, see? So it seems likely that Haddon would get these next two lots, right? To, from his father-in-law. On the left here, yep. And he did. And he built the hotel. Had it built. And it burnt. Christmas Eve, like 
Somewhere along Water Street, wasn't there? There was a building that had Cagney and Sons. Was that on that street? Yeah. Now you see where that building is across the street over there. That little rep, whatever it is, on the left over there. The ferry building. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the fruit company, the packing house. Okay. Okay. That's where the farmers would bring their raw fruit in, where it was gone over, ship-sized, packed for shipping on the ferry boats. Okay. Okay. That's the Union Fruit Company. When they, when the fruit primarily was shipped from the railroads in gypsum, okay, after they had refrigerated cars that contained large loads of ice, it kept the fruit cool from spoilage, and they could ship further inland. So there was more of a market via trains in gypsum than there was shipping by ships from Catawba Point, okay? That's packing house then 
became a garage and it was run by a gentleman by the name of Van Nepp and he had an automobile garage there. Hmm. Now you see they had garages and gas stations out here in the 20s because again Henry Ford furnished us cheap cars the county and the state give us highways. Okay, So there was a market I, I have a question, Don. Maybe you're going to touch on it, but I was—I think you told me or someone that this property that used to belong to uh, Dutcher at one point was when, when the Model T was—it was popular to do primitive camping with cars. Oh yeah. This was a campground. Yeah. Which is how the trailers ended up here. Right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Once, once camping became more profitable than peaches and grapes. And remember, that I said fruit was no longer shipped from this point. This area then became camping. That was and in, vogue, in the yeah. 20s, the President of the United States camped. Henry Ford camped. Luther Burbank camped. Firestone camped. They all camped and tented together. That was the big thing <laughs> for about 10, 15 years. Yeah. Tenting and camping, and this was a popular tenting and camping area. Don't be darn. Okay. This is where the actually the building where the uh, fruit producing and right. Right. And the Cagney building was this one. Wasn't there a, a big building that said Cagney Fruit? That's right here. Cagney and Sons. Cagney's owned, owned it one. Cagney's owned it and ran it before it was a garage. Okay. When they gave it up, it became a garage. Prior to Kegney, it was the Union Fruit Company. And again, Don, this house was... It's the Inch property. Inch property. But Hilker. Yeah. yeah. And okay. Jane, that hotel you are talking about that was across from the Catawba Inn is the place where the lost sword of Catawba what? comes from. The lost sword of Catawba story that we tell about that John sword that got found. It was Gamble. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That was the 20th property. Is where the, this is where the sawmill was, right? And this is where they tarred the nets. Yeah. There used, to, used to be one toilet set way out over on the rock out there. <laughs> I always liked, that was my favorite toilet. <laughs> well, there's trivia for fun yeah, facts. Get that into Don's favorite toilet somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got the oldest toilet on Catawba Island on my property down there. Oh my gosh. Want to go through the uh, cliffs or not? Well, yeah. Well, if you want to go through fast. Sure. Now that you've listened to the voice of Don Rhodes for two episodes, it is time that we share a little bit about why he knew so much about the history of Catawba Island, Ohio. For some background, I am sharing an excerpt from a 2006 USA Today article as follows. Don Rhodes is likely the most knowledgeable man in the county on Catawba Island history. Except for four service years during the Korean War, he has lived on the island all of his 84 years. During that time, he has made a study of local history, and he keeps thousands of relics of the area's past in his shop, Ottawa City General Store and Museum. Even his 1931 birth story is a part of local history. 
I was born in an early Catawba Island filling station that sold white horse gas, he said. Rhodes went on to explain that oil wells were abundant on the island in the 1870s. Rhodes' father built the gas station in 1928, but remodeled it into a house when he got married. He converted the gas station into a home, and I was born in a gas station, he said. Rhodes was born into what he calls the golden era of Catawba Island, which he says includes the early 1900s through the 1940s. We had five hotels, two bowling alleys, and transportation and commerce via steamboat that went to Toledo, Buffalo, Cleveland, and Detroit, he said. Many wealthy families traveled from those cities to spend the warmer months at their Catawba summer homes. A lot of them came from Pittsburgh. On the east side of the island, there's still a community here called Little Pittsburgh, Rhodes said. At the time, the island consisted of two basic populations, the wealthy and the rural fruit farmers. After closing the gas station, Rhodes' father spent the rest of his life as a peach farmer, and Rhodes spent his boyhood days helping on the farm, going to school, searching for Native American artifacts, and living a rural island life. A rattlesnake skin from his childhood is on display in the upper museum floor of the Ottawa City General Store, as are dozens of arrowheads and spear and atlaw points. Many of them are from collections of dozens that Rhodes has found on the island. Today, an arrowhead is an exciting find, but Rhodes said there was a time on the island when arrowheads and points were so numerous that they were a novelty. In growing up here, if you went out with your father when he plowed, it was not unusual to find five or six points, Rhodes said. They were pretty much curios. They were put in a shoebox and forgotten. They didn't have the importance they have today. Modern farming practices have made finding artifacts more difficult and rare. When I was a kid, everybody traded pocket knives and arrowheads. The upstairs museum portion of the Ottawa City General Store is filled with Native American artifacts. It also showcases fossils, maps, and animal mounts. The downstairs store is filled with antiques from America's past and many that are distinctly Catawba, including glass bottles from local wineries, a Civil War-era wooden tricycle, and an 1886 collapsible bathtub with a gas heater that was owned by a prominent fruit grower. Rhodes didn't follow his father into the peach business. Instead, he worked as a nuclear operator at the NASA Plumbrook Station, and then in quality control at the Davis-Bessey Nuclear Station. But he always returned to his first love, his store filled with local history. His jobs were work, but the store is who he is. I am the store and the store is me. I am the history person, he said, from a 2006 USA Today article. As a side note to this article, I can share with you my own story of Don's ways of sharing his historical insight. Though I really don't remember him ever saying, now listen to me, I did have many opportunities to hear him talk about his relics and artifacts. As a child, there were numerous times that I and often a friend would ride our bikes on the north end of Catawba Island from home to the ferry dock and all through the cliffs. I stopped many times at the Ottawa City General Store. It was an eclectic, old-timey place, or at least that is probably how I would have described it at the time. There was penny candy, really penny candy. It looked like every general store I had ever seen in the movies, and there were so many interesting antiques, trinkets, and tools filling the entire store. Every visit was highlighted by Don sharing stories about the things in the general store, what they were used for, how old they were, where he found or acquired them. I always found his stories of Catawba Island fascinating and was so happy he would share them with anyone who entered the general store. Little did I know at the time that it would spark my own interest today investigating my own family's history on Catawba Island. Don's knowledge, memory, and ability to tell the stories 
have impacted so many people and his preservation of artifacts allow us, the Board of Trustees of the Catawba Island Historical Museum, to provide a beautiful and educational facility for residents and visitors alike. Thank you for listening to Now Listen to Me, Catawba Island fun facts, lore, anecdotes, and sometimes even a little history, a production of the Catawba Island Historical Society. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please visit our website at CatawbaIslandHistoricalSociety.com or come visit the Catawba Island History Museum in person, located in historic Union Chapel near the beautiful shores of Lake Erie in Ohio. Until next time, happy history!